people, it's your boy Icarus Gray. And it's your homeboy Wordplay TJ. And this is the No Rhyme Reason Podcast, where we talk about everything. Everything for no reason at all. And we're live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's good, people? It's your boy Icarus Gray. And it's your homeboy, Wordplay TJ. And this is the No Rhyme or Reason podcast where we talk about everything. Everything for no reason at all. You are watching UBN. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're back for the new year. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome and we back. have an exciting show of full of uh, controversial topics, I would say. And um, I'm excited for that. Uh, sorry, Kendall, we are not going to talk about Collie Grove or welcome to to Collie Grove. Um, I wanted to talk about that album. Yep. That's not the direction we're going. So I appreciate you listening, bro, and I'll see you at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it'll probably be one of the albums we try and review uh don't make any promises kendall will hold it to oh no (laughs) he will he'll be like but you promised (laughs) um how's your year been so far my man uh sleepy (laughs) it has been a sleepy year that's 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 how i felt i've been trying to regain my appetite i was sick during the winter break oh no um but bounce back um if you watch um, Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, you know what that reference is to. <laughs> Bounce back. Um, and um, yeah, I just, after the break, I, I have not felt myself. But I have been very productive business-wise. I got some goals up there for us. We need like, we need to get to our thousand subs. And I think we should have like 10K views a month. At, at the very least, so yeah, um, that's why we're that's why we're here doing these topics in in the first place is to entertain the individuals that subscribe to us. So thank you for that. Uh, watch the entire video on Patreon, so patreon.com forward slash uh, No Rhyme or Reason Podcast or N R O R Podcast. Sorry, I keep messing up URL, but <laughs> but it's down in the description for you. Yeah, the point is. We want you to consume everything that we make and uh, support us as best as you possibly can. So you want to get started with um, Mr. Williams? Yeah, let's get started with uh, Mr. Cat in the Hat, a.k.a. Yeah. Cat Williams. <laughs> Mr. Cat in the Hat. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's a funny part to start with, right? Yeah. Number one, like he, he sat down with Shannon Sharp. On a club, Shay Shay. Club Shay Shay had a three-hour interview with Shannon. It's, it's hilarious. It is serious. It is also um, very controversial. And in the midst of this interview, he discloses that Disney, of all 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 people, I mean, it makes sense if all you've ever been sense. if you've ever been to like one of their theme parks. It makes sense. Yeah. They they run a tight ship there. Um, they sued uh, Cat Williams because his first moniker was Cat in a Hat with with a K. So 
I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that, but like Disney, calm down. <laughs> calm down. Y'all just lost the rights to Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Calm down. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> if you ever go to a park, or if yeah, you've but, ever been to a park, mm-hmm. um, why does it? Why is it doing this? If you've ever been to a park, um, they're really restrictive, even with what you can search on the internet while you're there. Hmm. So much so that, like, if you're on their Wi-Fi network, oh no, 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 and you try to like search up, let's say something that Disney doesn't like, um, twerking. N- <laughs> no, <laughs> why are you going there? <laughs> if <laughs> let's say you 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 search up, um. Not the Simpsons. That's not a good example because they're at the same park. Is uh, Walt Disney Frozen? No. Say you you try to look up a a a, um, a South Park clip. Oh, where Mickey Mouse was on the South Park episode. Oh yeah. If you try to watch that while you're at the park, it will be blocked. If you're on their network. Huh. Yeah. That's, that's how nuts. that's how controlling of, of the environment that they are. Nah, bro, that's nuts. Uh, but Cat spent three hours going in on Cedric the Entertainer, Steve Harvey, Ricky Smiley, uh, said some things about Michael Blackson, Gary Owen, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Tiffany Haddish, Kevin Hart, Wanda uh, Sykes, uh, Wanda Case, Wanda Case, and well, he said, "I love Wanda Sykes." But then they kept talking about Wanda without clarifying exactly which yeah. Wanda they were talking about. So. And, and they meant the the Wanda case because that was the interview where he just was talking about everything with her. Uh, on Love uh, mm-hmm. took some shots at Ludacris. Hollywood uh, took some shots at Chris Tucker. Uh, the list goes on. Like it was a three Diddy. hour interview and he did he. T.D. Jakes. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Rightfully so, but like it with, was with all over the place. At least. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I think people have a lot of opinions on that, but mm-hmm. we want to share that like, I, I think we feel that Kevin in this video, I'm sorry, not Kevin, but Kat in this video was so right that he's wrong. Yeah. And so we're going to kind of break down some points that we think we think about, you know, Cat Williams being so right that he's <laughs> that he's absolutely wrong. So let's start with comedians. So a lot of what he was saying was in response to the interviews that those comedians had had on Club Shay Shay. Um, and things that they had ended up saying about him when when uh, certain questions were posed to them. Now, I don't think any of them took like direct shots, but spoke on, um, well, said spoke on the still in jokes thing that they had said, which apparently Kat had given uh, them a pass in regards to like they came and apologized and it was like, oh, okay, it's all good. Why, why are we still talking about it kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so Kat comes in with a full clip of responses basically to all these different actions. And a lot of what it sounded like in different spots was, yeah, you're telling truth, but there does seem to be a tinge of bitterness in the middle of all of this. Um, 
whether people agree with that or not, it just is so. So my thought on this is like, if Cat mm-hmm. is telling the truth, mm-hmm. and based off of just kind of my feelings, my vibes on this situation, he might have had some like facts and some 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 specifics wrong at some certain points or misspoke at certain points, but if he's right, you should just live in the fact that you're right. Mm-hmm. And um and and not have to like worry about I the situation being so wild that I I just don't think you have anything to prove as Cat Williams. I don't either. I think that a lot of this ends up kind of boiling down to two different points uh, uh, that he was trying to make. Because I think he was talking about uh, Kanye and he was talking about Kanye and how like weird we thought Kanye was and everything, right? The thing that's similar between the two of them, because he was like, well, we all called him a genius and da da da. Like, yeah, we did because he does do genius level things in terms of his artistry. Same thing with Kat. You are a genius level comedian in terms of your writing, in terms of your delivery, but you also say outlandish things at the same time. Yeah. Can we pause for a second? Yeah. So, Kat, in and of itself, um, like I was saying, is just. A brilliant comedian. Um, I think he says a lot of outlandish things from time to time. And it's like he kind of forgets in certain instances that it's like it, it feels like an accountability issue sometimes. Why why would Cat need to be accountable? I'm trying to figure out like So in a lot of different situations, so say like with the industry stuff. So he talks about the industry in regards to the fact that um, all of this Illuminati stuff, all the stuff that he turned down, all the stuff that people were trying to do, and then seems to chastise people for accepting opportunities and basically saying that the only way um, that they could have gotten these opportunities is because he turned them down and then they basically did whatever. Like, the only way they got them is accepting whatever was offered to them. So they had to, you know, perform whatever sexual acts they had to perform with these people to get these opportunities. They had to do something devious yeah. to get it. Um, I don't know what that has to do with him, though. His accountability. Well, he makes it seem like, in a lot of different ways, that it's like just the industry. Like he's had no slips or blips, not done something in terms of uh, his professionalism with these situations. It's so, a me versus them always. So are you saying that it, it sounds like he's never made those types of compromises? It seems like he's acting as though he's standing on business, so to speak. St- I'm standing on business. Standing on business. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting the clip in there. I'm got, I got it. <laughs> But also, it's like, for all you criticize people for, is that really the position that you need to be criticizing people for when you have, you know, missteps that you've taken as well? I think when you talk about his missteps or his accountability, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's more so you are Cat Williams and you hold yourself 
to a, a higher regard. Mm. You have the this moral compass that seems um, more uh, authentic and integral than the individuals that you work with or have worked with or that dish you. Mm-hmm. And if you have that type of integrity, you don't really have to talk about these individuals. That's the accountability I think about is that like you're accountable for not for for actually saying something when you don't have to say nothing. Mm, yeah, I can see that. Um, or yeah. you're accountable for um, the relationship not working out in some sort of way because a relationship's always two ways. So you're accountable for what your half of the relationship is. They're accountable for whatever they did to trespass on you. Yeah, and I think it's an accountability. Or sorry, they're accountable for what they did to trespass you, not him. True. Um, But it's also an accountability to understanding the power in which you wield. Like, yes, a smart person can say dumb things. And the onus isn't always on that smart person to be careful with their words because you as people should be able to... um, Go and research and go and do things, which is a, a lot of what we're not doing in this day and age. Yeah. Um, but the power you would of like what you say, because he's such a brilliant entertainer. This whole three hours was entertaining. The whole three hours. Like it wasn't a moment where I'm like, oh, oh man, I don't I don't care what he has to say next. It's like, no, I'm listening. I'm, I'm trying to see. I'm, you know, I'm picking through. I'm going like, you know, you're feeling the emotions are like, oh, wow, that's a little harsh. Or, oh, wow, that doesn't seem realistic. But this is entertaining to me. Um, So it, it's I think just, I think he's accountable for the outcomes of this interview. Yeah. Right. So you were saying before we started mm-hmm. that no matter what. Kevin Hart does or no matter what Steve does or no matter what. Uh, said does in response to cat they're going to be in the in the court of public opinion they're going to be wrong and they're going to be right yeah it's just going to be the catch-22 of like because i see it all through the comments they like but they didn't say he was lying and if he did and if they did i should say like it wouldn't mean anything it's not like you're gonna care it's gonna be like well of course they're gonna say that well, yeah, people are going to move the goalposts. People are going to take whatever conclusion they want to take from it and, and, and go for it. And he's had that experience himself. People believed that he was on drugs and he was wilding out. Yeah. And whether or not that's true or not, because people don't, everybody does not know if mm. that's true. Right. Some people know. Some people, yeah, some people know if it's true or not, but the majority of us that comment about it don't know. No. Um, and so many of us like are not in these rooms or just, you know, I, I was talking about this uh, with my wife last night. A lot of people are just in the revenge mind state of waiting for somebody to slip. Like some, like a lot of people didn't like Kevin Hart as is. So it's, a, it's, it's like, um, like, Revenge porn. Uh Uh-huh. Sort of like, you know, um, 
I say that in the in not the specific term of what the that definition actually is, but like people that are so hell bent on negative consequences, yeah, that it feeds them. It actually like the, I'm gonna go out of my way to seek out like Real Housewives or like yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what I, I mean yeah, yeah that type of I, I'm gonna go out of my way to go find some negativity so I can feel good. And that's a lot of what this was. Like, even as a response, there were so many moments where he would, like, bring up God and and how he's, like, I'm just a a bringer of truth and this is what I'm supposed to do, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't like the the, the, the in and out folks that use religion to your feelings. Like, while doing something that wouldn't be biblical on majority of whatever you subscribe to that like it, it just wouldn't be what you need to do or how you need to respond like there's a there's telling the truth and then there's like disrespecting people while trying to act like you're not well the way i see that is he is using whatever form of faith that he has yeah as a way to come off as more morally in the right. Yes. Um, but the reality is no matter what your faith is, if you're not morally in the right, you're just not in the right. And the wrong thing to do is to, when you're Cat Williams, go down this road as if you need to be that. Yeah, because he's way more... Um, he's talented. Way more talented than... He's gifted. Than the action. He is successful. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why he's even on this show in the first place is because Shannon's not going to sit down with somebody that doesn't have some some clout to their to their name. Yeah, and the reason why he's sitting down in the first place is because he earned it. Yeah, and to to say anything about his his relationships, whether it's wrong or right, mm-hmm. and I believe that most of his, what he's saying is the truth. You don't have to actually, you don't always have to say the truth in order for it to to be true. I mean, like, yeah, and it, it's just, it's such a strange thing the where we are. Because it's not like, like, if he had came on and just done, like, the positive things, because he did a lot of positive things in there, like, shouting out a lot of the younger comedians of uh, Desi Banks, uh, Just Hilarious, um, and the rest... Um, that was a big thing that you don't have to do. Like this thing that got 7 million views like in, within a day. And that's like promo for them that he didn't have to do. The things that he does for other comedians in terms of the money that he would give other comedians. Uh, Dion Cole uh, did an Instagram post talking about that thing. About some, some girl walking up to him and giving him money. Just because he appreciated what it was they were doing. Uh, Boosie came out and said that when he got out, Cat gave him a little money. You know, so I, I, you do not have to talk about the good things you do uh, to, like, garner anything. But I also know it's just like, I'm not going to play with fire when I don't need to. And especially when it's like, I don't think in those interviews that said or any of them were like coming at him crazy. 
as far I, as I remember. So I watched, I've watched Steve and Sad's interviews mm-hmm. many, many like weeks, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I watched those interviews, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like there was anything negative about those those interviews. I didn't I didn't feel like there was anything about those interviews where they were trying to like purposefully or come at somebody. Right. In any of those talks. Steve talked about himself most of the time. Mm-hmm. And and the same was said. So, um and he was just like, "Well, why did you let them lie more so about the situation?" It's just like, "Bro, well, that's not his job to be an investigative journalist. His, the, Shannon Sharp is not an investigative journalist. He's an athlete." That is now a journalist. You know what I mean? He's not but, He's not trying to uncover the truth. But also, what is the point? So say we get on here and say when he asked him the question about did you steal the joke, he just says, yes, and I'm very sorry for it. What does that do? For one, even admitting it, especially in comedy, because we know what j- jokes stealing is one of those you just don't do. And you are stamped as... Like a terrible person, especially within, you know, the black comics and everything else. I remember when, um, uh, golly, what is her name on S- the, uh, the black lady on SNL? Um, I know who you're talking about, uh, but she stole a joke or supposedly stole a joke from a comedian, uh, Leslie, yes, Leslie Jones, Jones. uh, stole a joke from this comedian, Precious, apparently. And there was like a lot of stuff going on about that. The mic. <laughs> no, there was a lot of stuff going on about that. My bad. Um, and it was just one of those things where it's like your perception can be ruined in three seconds. We see that with Jonathan Majors, but which he made jokes about as well. I, I don't know though. Like your public perception can be can be shifted, but your bags don't have to go away. No, they like, don't. Like Dane Cook is still making money. Martha Stewart went to federal prison. Yeah, she still got money. She's still successful. Mm-hmm. Paula Dean. Yeah, like, I uh, the the realities of people being canceled mm-hmm. is not as strong as as everybody thinks it is. No, the internet I is think, not a real place. I, I think when you're <laughs> I think when you're powerful, you're already powerful, and folks go to cancel you. Uh, it's it's not as it's not as strong as people think it is. Right. Uh, let's bring some hip hop into this, please. Just because we have it. <laughs> uh, in the fact that um, he also mentioned Luda. Yeah. And Luda had a response. And I actually want to. I actually want to find Luda's. Do you? Luda's oh, verse. let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. And we might not be able to uh, play this on YouTube, but. Uh, audio listeners, you get to have a treat. Uh, but what's funny about it is, again, all the comments are, well, did he, he never said he was lying. Y'all know y'all are the most unsatisfied goalpost moving people in the world. Like, even if he put it in there, it wouldn't matter. Y'all don't care. You know you don't care. What do you mean? So if he says he was lying, it's like, mm, I don't know. The, much like like Kat said in the Cat uh, said in the Williams. Cat <laughs> said in the interview, he was like, uh, the truth needs no motivation. Neither does a lie. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't. I just don't know that when it comes to ludicrous, why do you have to say? Why do you have to talk about this man and his wife? I didn't get that either. Like he was why, why do you, why, talking about everybody's wives. What what does this what does this mean? What are you trying to imply about ludicrous? It sounds like he's trying to imply that Hollywood is doing devious things in order for people to be successful. But who's yeah. gonna believe that about ludicrous? And why do you have to say it? Does I it matter? Get that. Does it matter to anybody? For the most part, when it comes to ludicrous, probably not. Yeah. Here's the here's the freestyle. I think I think we'll be able to hear it. Hold on. Okay. Snoop's cannabis shredder. I'm always on my grind. They throwing shade because niggas could never take my shine. I bring my watch collection on my jet. Let me take my time. Like fine wine, I'm aging like Benjamin. Top five, I'm worth mentioning. Bring me rappers, I'm lynching them. See the pendulum swing, Jesus with diamond thorns. Ludicrous, swaddled in Gucci linens when I was born. Never been Illuminati, only Illuminati. And I only left with bitches when coming from any party. Now I'm married with kids, the evolution of life. Never been a cloud chaser, never say shit for likes. R.I.P. John Singleton, you never have to flex when you earn every one of your fast and furious checks. Fro with the sideburns, yeah, that's my signature. Addictions on the rise, comedians check your temperature. I mean, Luda, Luda got bars. <laughs> like, and for a lot of people, like, I, y'all judge bars as if you write them. What do you mean? What, what, what does that have to do with Cat Williams? <laughs> Meaning, okay, hold on, wait, wait, wait. You well, going somewhere else. No, 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 no. The response. So I'm saying, like, a lot of people that have response, I'm talking about the response to Cat Williams. So this was the response to Cat Williams, and then it's like, well, he didn't say, again, that he was lying. Even though the line about I earned oh, every okay. one of so my So you're talking about the comments section. So I'm just talking about comments in general. I'm talking about the, res- the, the response to the response. Let's focus on Luda. Let's focus because uh, <laughs> we've already. I, I feel like we have okay. we have talked mad shit about the people, the society, yeah. and we we'd be forty uh, more minutes before we <laughs> before we get off of it off of them. Luda's response was immaculate to the fact that it's just direct, simple, and shows why he's one of the best ever. Just point blank period. I think so. I think so too. I think. I think Luda addressed exactly what needed to be addressed. Like he's like, he's basically like, get off me, get off my wife, get off this, and I earned this. I did this the 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 way that um, that worked for me, and and every one of my checks are are, are mine. So, yeah. Um, then the last thing I think we were talking about is uh, Ice Cube's response um, to some claims that he made about Friday After Next, uh, where he was talking about Ricky Smiley and the fact that he was making it seem like Ricky Smiley had no chance whatsoever to be Money Mike uh, when it was that Ricky Smiley actually did audition for the role and then they did choose Cat, but. He had an audition, meaning he saw the lines, meaning he went out for it. Yeah. So I think Ice Cube helps, even though I watched the clip. Ice Cube, I love you. And we're we're similar in, in demeanor. <laughs> but 
Ice Cube so sleepy on this. Yeah. <laughs> Ice Cube, oh, come on. Man. He is he is the epitome of his rap name. Yeah. Chill. At all times. He is like hey, so so chill. So chill that like it's almost like sluggish. <laughs> but it's like he came a- on, he's like <laughs> here. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This cube. I just want to address. Yeah. I just want to address. Talk about Cat. And some of the things the Cat said. Hey, yay. <laughs> you know what Yo, I mean? Like, that's, it was... <laughs> But it it was in the way of somebody that's like, e- let me get out the way of all of this because I need people to stop hitting my line. I don't. Th- I don't think. I don't think Cube moves like that. I feel like Cube moves at his own time. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure, hundred percent at his own pace. Because he wasn't. He didn't speed up at all. And. Yes, people may be hitting his line, but I don't think that motivates Cube at all. Yeah, but I don't want my name in the midst of all of this. Like, 7 million views, like, is moving everybody to at least say something. And, like, the quick distinctions that he made, because uh, Kat claimed uh, that the original scene uh, with him and Terry Crews uh, was a rape scene. And he... We can't say that on YouTube. Oh, we can't. <laughs> I forgot about that. He said it was a uh, an assault scene. An assault scene, and they took the he said it, and they took the assault scene. He did say it, but I'm I'm just saying. No, no, I got you saying because they we can't say we. It. I got you. <laughs> um, and so they changed the assault scene into what it became, and it's just like Cube was like, "Bro, no, like I would have never put that scene in there. Like that don't even make sense to any of the movies." That Cube has done Like it's just not something That he would have nah. Done But it was an exaggeration To What's the one where, where He's like driving somewhere With his kids <laughs> Ride along is no. That no that's not right <laughs> You just called Kevin Hardy's kid <laughs> I mean He could be uh, <laughs> You know Oh man I don't know what it's called I what's can't the, remember what's, what's the movie with Ice Cube and, and the oh, kids Oh my god Like Oh my god Anyway Yo <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why are you like this <laughs> Um but Are we there yet Yes but there clarifying the, the, the response <laughs> Like you can't make Are we there yet And then try and put this In your movie Right Like It just don't make sense And it's a way of like And You know When he was bringing up All these different things About wearing dresses And, and all the stuff That we've often Criticized uh, As a community About like Whether it was uh, Tyler Perry Martin Lawrence And all these different movies Eddie Murphy like, Eddie Murphy It was like Why do they have to do this To sell a movie Like They have to do this Because they have to be uh, Emasculated Before They'll be able to have, Be successful but I think that comes with that. That's 
that is always a conspiracy. Eddie Murphy was Eddie Murphy before he did any of that. Yeah. Um, same with Martin. Martin was Martin before Big Mama's House. <clears throat> like, Bad Boys was way before Big Mama's House. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think I think know. people misinterpreted a, a comedy trope with something that is a con- conspiracy theory. Yeah, because we don't do that to Robin Williams. Right. Um, um, yeah. Freaking um, Tom Hanks. Ted Danson. Like, no. Like, you know I mean? he's still like a heartthrob. Like, he doesn't lose cheers because he did that movie, I think, with uh, John Leguizamo. I'm sorry. Look, I watched uh, Mrs. Doubtfire Mm -hmm. 10 million times as a kid. They showed it to us. Uh, Seemingly, it felt like every year at our elementary school. I have never in my life felt like putting on a dress. Ever. So the, the thought that like, oh, this is going to influence people to, to do something that they're, they are not. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Uh, but to wrap this up, like, I enjoyed the interview. My only gripe that I'm saying is just the inconsistencies of stuff of making it seem like a lot of people were just making these devious choices. Hollywood is a devious place and they do a lot of stuff. But success, we got to stop tying everybody that we, quote unquote, don't like success to just the worst things that we can possibly think of for them to have gotten it. So here's what I here's here's my 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 opinion on that. I feel like mm-hmm. the world is full of people that could either be morally just mm-hmm. or morally corrupt. Hollywood oftentimes is an exaggeration of taking regular human beings that are in either one of those camps and amplifying those individuals. And so I think Hollywood gets a bad rap when the reality is, is that, no, it's, it's just us. (laughs) It's just Mm -hmm. us as people that are either in, and I don't want to really either or it type of type of thing, because I I think that people are generally just flawed and overall. Mm hmm. But there are so some people that lean into those flaws a little bit more, and then there's other people that um, choose not to no, I, lean I, into I, those flaws, at least purposefully. I perfectly get what you're saying, because <clears throat> think about uh, like football culture, right? Mm-hmm. If we as people didn't love football the way we love football, then when people have different allegations and all these different things that go on within that realm, you wouldn't be as mad as the person be, at mad, mad at whoever the accusers are because you're taking away my fun. You get what yeah, I'm saying? And, and let the, and let the, the, the person that is uh, a, per, uh, a, a perpetrator. Yeah. Win games. Mm-hmm. If they're winning games, they're no longer a perpetrator because you're a fan of football. Yeah. So long story, less long. <laughs> We are way more complicit in these things that we think that we're not while trying to tell people, well, I bet you that's how you got successful. Did you create the atmosphere for that that being the case? Yeah. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But let's get on to something that's actually exciting. <laughs> <sighs> so um 
maybe maybe a little backstory is is, is important. How do we how do we get here in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the little brother doc many weeks ago. Um, this is after it's it's you know people had some time to sit with it, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a little late. But then I I texted you. You saw something else with little brother, and then decided to watch the doc. Mm-hmm. And then once we had a conversation, we're like, we got to talk about this. So that's what we're going to be spending the time doing. Uh, for the rest of the podcast is talking about the little brother doc called May the Lord, um, May, May the Lord Watch, uh, the little brother story. Uh, which coincides also with their 2019 album of the same name, May the Lord Watch. Nice. So I'm excited about this because um, it, it it's just a, a great story. And... Everybody knows the story of Little Brother, or at least that fans of Little Brother know the story of Little Brother, Mm -hmm. but didn't know it from this perspective. And I think I've read a few articles, and even after the documentary, even after watching the documentary, people are still wondering, like, people still have this perception of Little Brother as, yo, this is Pooh, this is Fonte, this is Ninth. That's never going to erase as the impression on my mind. And so I think our plan is to go and talk about um, different sections of this this documentary and react to how how the documentary unfolded. Yeah. So I, I think our first topic is how Little Brother met. Mm-hmm. So we'll watch a few seconds and we will um, we'll pause and then... Uh, react to those clips. So let's let's do this. Let's get it. Brutus. <laughs> let's get it. I'm not calling you Brutus, by the way. I don't think you're gonna <laughs> do me Caesar? like that. <laughs> In 99 when times was hard North Carolina Central But we called it the yard Cause niggas wasn't trying to study abroad They was trying to study abroad Or two or three up in the dorms Met my nigga Sean Dunn Then I started to ponder By the way, this is how Little Brother met And so that's where we're starting uh, Fuck this, I'ma quit the football team tomorrow Did shows around town And one got around And battle and tape Was like yelling speaking to you wanna Built my rep The dorm that we stayed in Chili Wait a minute I did not catch that line, and I did not mm-hmm. hear that he made a racial slur there. But anyway, that's I'm not going down that road. Let's <laughs> let's keep watching. <laughs> uh, the RA, my man Joe Drama, he lived like right down the hall. Joe Drama used to have people in his room all the time, listening to music, talking about music, whatever. And Fonte comes in one day. Got this rhyme I wrote for English class, yo. I wanna, I wanna spit that joint. Y'all tell me what y'all think. I remember to this day. It's called No Apologies. And when he finished, I was like, "Nigga, you wrote that? That's crazy!" Like I was always the music aficionado in my crew. When I got around Tay, I was like, "I don't know shit." I was like, "I wanna know what he knows." And that was kind of the beginning of our relationship. That's that's a dope story. Dog is dope. I mean, it's kind of like us. Is it? 
It's all right. <laughs> you just walked in my dorm room, started starting spitting bars, and then I was like, "Nigga, I don't know shit." <laughs> <laughs> nah. Um, so for our our rapping thing, right? It was as simple as, "Yo, we want to try and do this talent show. Do you want to do it with us?" True. You know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. was just like, "Yo," and I like it, you're saying that the random. Event the random yes. event, and I had no knowledge of whether or not you rapped. I just knew you sang <clears throat> at the time. Yeah, I, I think the way I introduced myself to to you uh, as a performer was I, I I I sang. Yeah, and at the at the time that that is all I did. Yeah. Um, even though for I think between that time that was maybe what two thousand three something like that. Uh, two thousand two. Two. Okay, even earlier. So between like 98 and 02, mm-hmm. I had been writing bars too. I just never I just, I just never was ready to actually do it. But this is not about us. This is about <laughs> this documentary. <laughs> um, it's dope, bro. I think them the the meeting in this really organic way is 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 impactful. I also want to know I want to know how Ninth came into this, so maybe we right can play a few more seconds. We're all like in the commons area of the dorm, and I see this dude with a Source magazine. You know what I mean? And you know, Source it was like you know the holy grail kind of at that time. Hey man, let me see that joint. Let me see that. You know what I mean? He's like, all right. And so he's going through the mag and I see we're liking the same shit. Ninth is pretty much like me. I would have been that guy mm-hmm. sitting around reading the source. I I like I would go in the every magazine release I would go and purchase the double XL the source uh what is it complex. Yeah. I, I collected those three for sure. Yeah. Like, I'm on, like, yo, most of black on both sides. He's like, oh, you know about that? I'm like, hell yeah, nigga, I know about this. We were on a lot of the same things, and we laughed at some of the same shit, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I meet Ninth. I think I saw him that day, and I don't think we saw each other again for months. By this time, I was living in the new dorm. This is the new residence, so, you know, niggas, we done moved up and shit. So, he... Shows up and he's like, yo, what up, man? I'm like, what up? He's like, yo, I got some shit I want to play for you. So I'm thinking it's some new, exclusive, a new whatever. And he puts it in, he plays beats. I'm like, yo, this shit dope. Who this? The same thing, which is that creation and trust. So the first thing is, Fonte comes in. I got this rap I wrote for English class. Mm-hmm. Then after their relationship, night comes in. I got something I want you to hear. It's... It's like, it's so organic how these things happen. Um, and it's, man, this thing, this this documentary just gave me chills in so many different ways when I was watching it because of how natural it all was. I think everybody's point of view or at least perception of how successful groups come together is that they're very intentional. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they're like happenstance and accidental. They're these are three individuals that end up at the same school who didn't know each other to begin with, and 
because of that circumstance, have now formed this legendary group. And I think everybody always assumes that that stuff happens on purpose and it's planned out. He's like, this me. I was like, word? I said, yo, would you, you know, would you mind if I, if I rhyme on this? He was like, you really, you want to rap on this? I'm like, yeah, nigga, like, this shit go. My melanin serves as proof of my indelible urge to marry ink and manuscripts, create incredible words. I'm yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of how they how they met and how that 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 story really progressed. Um the next thing I think I want to delve into with this uh documentary was like there's so many points and I'm trying to pick one. The source. Or we're pick, just going to pick the next one, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how I got the the, the yeah. things queued up. <clears throat> so I'm gonna go in with people that are influenced directly by um by a little brother. Uh we didn't cut the Drake clip portion of it because I think that was earlier. Um where he just Drake consistently always talks about Fonte. Yeah, so uh, one of the people is Drake. There's other, there's like plenty of other people, but the doc highlights Drake and who else? What uh, Kendrick, Kendrick is gonna show in the clip that we got. So let's go ahead and uh, check that out and and then kind of react to those things. Real recognized, real. No matter where you from, no matter where you at, nigga from all the way from North Carolina, come out here rocking with niggas from the West Coast all day, every day, anytime. This is what it is, man. It's real. That's real. That's real. Long term too. At some point, you got to get out the way and stop trying to be the guy. And you got to develop the guy. You got to share that information. That's how we change the next generation, how we keep the art form alive. And once I explain it to him, like, man, success comes by you giving, right? You're giving the information. You're giving them your time. You're giving them your expertise. Now you just set yourself up to be around this industry for another 10, 15 years because you developed somebody else. Yeah. Like, and that was the power of their influence. Um, it runs through so many different like lanes because uh, when we did the De La Soul uh, review, like same feelings, mm -hmm. you know, of like what it was that they came to do, and they came to be the antithesis, antithesis. <laughs> oh, good God! To antithesis. Uh, to mainstream hip hop, to what was becoming overly digestible, to to the club records, and Little Brother gave so much for like what they would have considered the underground scene and, and artists that like grew to a different stage in terms of their style. That it's like one of those things where you gotta give it more respect and more honor than I think that we do. When I think about Drake, and this is, it. so we're talking about how people were influenced by Little Brother. Mm. Drake talks about it all the time in his uh, his interviews. How impressed with Fonte that he that that he has been, or how his writing style developed by listening to Fonte early on. His mixtape before. Um, um, what was that? Uh, before So Far Gone. So Far Gone, was, yeah. Um, the Comeback Story? Yeah, the Comeback. 
yeah, was um, was something that was inspired by Little Brother. Um, and so I think it is called a comeback. Um, comeback season. Comeback season. Okay. Um, and I felt that presence when I was on college radio and uh, playing early Drake records. Mm-hmm. So when I got to college, that's when um, So Far Gone came out. Mm-hmm. And um, in the dorm room is when people were sharing that with me. And so I go download it, and then I'm you know on college radio. And then so I, I'm, I'm like playing Drake and hearing essence of Fonte in his rhyme. Yes, especially at that time. Um, before like the Wayne influence and and other influences that he had, um, but you could definitely hear the Fonte, and man, it's just little brother is just one of those groups. Um, Most of the nineteen nineties. Let's get back on uh, the source and like because we we glossed over it a little bit in terms of like them having a conversation of how important the source and like you were saying double XL complex was, mm-hmm. but like what they did. On the source, just let's let's do this. Thing. Yeah. The source for most of the 1990s and even into the 2000s was the most important organ of of hip hop journalism. The source developed this rating system for records and albums. The five mic system and those five mics were coveted by artists having four mics in the source was like holy shit and then having the hip-hop quotable i was like damn today that would be like anthony fontano yeah (laughs) like reviewing an album we make and then he's like this shit is fire <laughs> I give it a very nice five out of five from <laughs> Anthony Fantano. You know, like, but real talk, like, yeah. or any of the like having that or having universal like bloggers say this is a five out of five album. Yeah, I I, I just think the equivalent to to what people would understand now or kids would understand now is like is like Anthony. Yeah. Um, I don't know any other journal. Uh, maybe Dead in Hip Hop. Maybe. Yeah. Shout um, out Dead in Hip Hop. Given, given. Speaking of, they're ha- they had the same conversation and published it mm-hmm. like a day ago. <laughs> 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 so it's kind of like, oh gosh, we're on the right wavelength, but like I kind of wish we did it first. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, um. Yeah. But they got five mic. Oh, four mics. Sorry. Which is. Highly, highly coveted on your first outing in a on an album that you made in a bedroom. Like your first, like y'all don't understand. Like that's you didn't have a budget, bruh. You didn't go to a major studio. Mm-mm. You made this album in a bedroom on a computer using Fruity Loops and samples, right? Like. At a time where Fruity, like, the way y'all use Fruity Loops now or have used Fruity Loops. It was shunned on at the time. Like, listen, man. A Fruity Loop beat? So, (laughs) 
as a producer, I want to, I want to, I want to speak on this. Go ahead. Fruity Loops was my first uh, platform that I used to make 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 beats and 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 instrumentals. And when I brought those instrumentals to school, it wasn't a lot of people, but a few people just really shat on my on my music. <laughs> they shat on it in in, in it past tense. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they, they uh, this is some of the things that they said though. These are video game beats. Mm-hmm. They don't sound real. You can't play an instrument. Like you're not a real musician, basically, mm-hmm. because you're using a computer to make beats. Um, I think Ninth Advantage because I wasn't sampling at the time, right. I was using virtual instruments and, and like literally playing the me- the melodies that I wanted to um, that I wanted to to create. But there were a lot of individuals that were. Are you about to play game over? No, I was <laughs> gonna uh, credit your point where at that time before they like because Little Brother was known but not as known because again it's an underground album, but. With beats like Game Over in 2004 for people criticizing the the beat sounding like a game, whereas literally that's the whole thing. Right. For so, Game Over. So that's that's my that's my point is that like there were people criticizing me for what was actually winning in the industry at the time. Yeah. And now is the industry standard. And on my uh, uh, the slap. Yeah. That that record that I wrote. I said, um, been been on Fruity Loops since before Fruit Loops. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I, like like Steve Harvey in a zoot suit. I think is what I said. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Like <laughs> I was on this before it was the standard, and like I said, I was shat on. <laughs> Heavily, even though like game over was winning, little brother was winning, and so I don't know. Maybe I'm a little sour about that. Maybe I'm a little bitter about that. But like, I don't know. I feel like I'm rightfully sour about that because the things that are created now, Fruity Loops is by far the industry standard for people making beats, and um, I don't feel like I deserve that. (laughs) <laughs> nah, not at all. I mean, like, because even the term Fruity Loop Beat right. was a term. Like, right. you can't compare with these Fruity Loop Beats mm-hmm. because of how it would, like, sound. But it's like, once you, like, understood the mechanics of it, like Ninth did, the things that were available to you and how you could manipulate it, how you could change things, how you could add the samples in, it's like, no, this was an, an excellent program for... Uh, growing producers. I don't think it was until I started sampling, people started respecting what I was doing. Mm. So I think it came down to virtual instruments versus real instruments yeah. being used. And you have a little bit of an advantage if you're sampling stuff, but you also have a commercial disadvantage because your fans don't know that you still have to clear that sample. Yeah. And doing that as an independent artist is fucking impossible. Oh, a hundred percent impossible. Until you get track lib today, right? Yeah. But um 
I've said enough. I've <laughs> I've been on the soapbox for a little bit. Their first tour. Um, anything to kind of start this this one off? <laughs> nope, because it's just gonna be a story about us and how tours are insane. They are just insane. I don't know. If, I don't know if I want to go down that road. About tours? I want to talk about their tours. No, that's what I'm saying. I said that's why I say it. Okay, tours. I said I want to talk about it. No, no, no. no. Just tours are insane. Okay. (laughs) Like, hearing this made me think of the tour. I'm I'm thinking pre-production talk, so I just... Oh, no, no, no. I I was afraid. (laughs) No, no, no. no. (laughs) We're going to go on tour. He kind of loosely threw that out there. I'm like, what's up? Did little brother get on there? He's like, that's what I'm thinking. That would be dope, right? And I'm like, that would be real dope. The High Road Tour was big because that put them on the map to go touring, because High Road Tour, that's what they do. Yeah, tour DJ, I done drove, I sold the merch, nigga, I managed, all that, I did all that shit. Right before the High Road Tour happens, this is when Knife gets the J call. I remember, I think he called me before, like, yo, man, like, I'm about to meet Hove in, in two days, so call up and just see see what the, the temperature is up there and all that stuff, so I went out. And I gave him my message. He's like, yo, man, nice one just want to play you some beats? He's like, yeah, he, he is. I said, yo, man, so good in this. And that's when I really had Hove's ear, like, okay. He came highly recommended. I remember he told me that not only was he able to give him a beat, but then Beyonce wanted to be too for the Destiny's Child album. And so he was just totally like, obviously, nigga go do that, right? Like, this Jay-Z. If you study hip-hop, you know that if your producer's in a group, if your producer's worth a damn, they're gonna go on to do other things. You know what I'm saying? Preem was Preem outside of that, but he had Gangstar. Dre was Dre, but he started in N.W.A., you know what I mean? So you always know that if you have a producer, they're gonna go on to do greater things. What's funny about that, though, is... A lot of artists in regards to that, especially with them, it didn't seem like they under like it felt like they understood it, but it also felt like they didn't at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of foreshadowing. So I think um, when when it came to night success, if Mm -hmm. it like rubbed them, they weren't jealous, but they believed that he should have been with them a lot more. In order to earn the title of being a little brother member, yeah, and there are very few like producers that we can like because even if with all the people he mentioned, Dre was Dre, but then the stuff started happening in terms of the business with NWA, right? So you can't take Dre's NWA title away just because the business was bad for with Suge Knight, yeah. Um, but also you can't take away it's hard with these producers and groups because any of the producers that are in groups weren't necessarily saying, Hey, I don't want to produce anymore. Right. Like the business ended up being bad or the relationships ended up being bad and then they went on to do other things. Yeah, and Guru passed away. So like Yeah. <laughs> you there's no there's no equivalent for that. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know how many like runs we have of like group artist producer um out really outside of little brother out you know like you have people that primarily do the beats like you know q-tip would do beats but q-tip was also an artist right so he had a different involvement than just a 
producer. So it's it's kind of interesting to see the landscape and the people that he mentioned because it's like, well, yeah, they all follow the same story, which is started in a group, group goes crazy, and then we end up in a fallout, and then here we are. Right. Which for I, I don't know, I, I think that puts a, a sour taste into the the mouths of folks that wanna be artists and want to start a group. Mm-hmm. There's always this thing in the back of your mind where I eventually the group is going to dissolve. And that that's yeah. that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, I, I believe. Agree. And you encourage that. So we was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. By show 10, we in Chapel Hill. You DJ that show. And then basically you just pick up and do the last 35 days on the tour. That was the arrangement. This fucking tour, right? The documentary backstage that came out. I see tour is that. Biggest security problem right now is keeping the artists on the tour with us from pulling all the girls backstage. Nah, I win that. <laughs> We're on an RV with a pimp, a real pimp, a guy named Late Night Billy, an artist named Z-Man, an artist named Encore, and ID. We didn't know any of these people when this tour started. I had to learn to sleep sitting up. We're sharing one hotel room, me, Tay, and Doe. And every night we switch in between who got a bed versus who got a cot. But it was an experience I'll never forget. We did that first run, I think like 10, 11 days or whatever. And we came back to Carborough, we in Chapel Hill. Me, Tay, and Doe got together, had a conversation. It was like, knife can't come out here. He's not built for what this experience is. I don't know how they reached that conclusion without him him being in the conversation. Agree. But and, and it's like one of those, like, give him the opportunity to have the experience to see if he changes versus telling him how he's going to respond to this experience. Exactly. Like, let him be him. He may, they may be right, right? They may be right that, yeah. like, it's not for him. Um, but I I feel like this is where the relationship goes wrong. It's because they exclude him from the conversation about a group that he is officially in. Yeah. Um, and you are already making decisions because it's like if you said, hey, this is a big opportunity for you. I encourage you to go and do this. I go and do it. Then I come back and it's like, nah. I'm about to come back and it's like uh, I don't I don't really think you can do this well what do you think of me and what do you think of me in regards to this group like do you if it felt like you want me at your beck and call but how you want me to be yeah and then when I'm listening to the situation you set up and my stock is rising because I'm spending time you know separately because I'm not just sitting on my thumbs now we got issues yeah, I think the tour started around the time that like he was working with Jay, and so mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like they fought him for for not being on the tour. Um, so I feel like we're already talking about our last point. <laughs> yeah. um, they fought him for for not being on the on the tour, and that's not that's not cool. That's not that's not okay, and. 
the reason why it's not okay is because he's busy and any uh any growth for his brand as a producer mm-hmm. is a growth for your brand as a group in if my you opinion. are if you are a group in the way that you say you are a group right um so but that, this lets me think this makes me think and maybe maybe you think the same way that they weren't a group to begin with they just asked Knight to make some beats that's kind of what it feels like to me and i think that's what also, and because of their dynamic, I think that that would lead to our next point, which we were uh, about the label not knowing how to market them. But if you don't even know what your configuration is and how you want to work it, mm-hmm. I don't know how they would have been able to market it anyway. Yeah. Because they're coming at it from the perspective of seeing what Ninth had been doing. Like, we got your, the producer in your group has placements here, here, here. With stars that are here, like, so what's going on? So, so that's that's this is my my issue with this, and I'll, I'll talk about that after we watch the clip. I'll I'll unpack my my issue with that. Okay. Right. The documentary backstage that came out. I see towards that. Biggest security problem right now is keeping. It's the wrong tab. Sorry. Is this the right time? I think he yeah. understood the vision. I, I hadn't dealt with artists as sophisticated, as funny, and as intelligent as them. Um, sonically, the label was very receptive. There was a marketing challenge. You have us, a group that was discovered, for better or worse, via the internet. Their internet department had like two people in it. That's basically what a label is now, but at, in, in 2004, it wasn't. Because social media was not a thing yet, you just had to rely on radio, video. Things were more traditional then. For a label to say we need a single, I mean, the singles at that time, it was, you know, it was, the snap stuff was going up. It was kind of ringtone kind of records, you know what I'm saying, that were going off at the time. And, you know, those records were fine, they were cool, but me and Pooh trying to make a record to compete with that or to fit into that, like, we would look like fucking idiots. So here's my, my issue with this. I don't think any label that makes billions of dollars mm on an annual basis. And that, that wasn't this situation at the time, right? Because you got the internet, you got Napster, you got, the industry was str- struggling. I just think when your value to the market is millions and billions of dollars, mm-hmm. you don't have an excuse as a professional to say, I don't know how to market individuals. Especially not when you have a unique product. Especially in that time with that unique product because at that time, Kanye West was winning, mm-hmm. had already won with with, with Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Um, Ninth was working with Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Um, Wayne was, was winning in his secondary, like his lyricist bag. Like yeah, this is he had Carter 2. Carter 2, yeah. Like, like we're not acting like Joe Budden 
was a couple years later, but still within that time, like around when they were about to release like the menstrual show, which means he would have been in like the, the clue circuit and clue tapes and stuff prior to even getting the album that got him noticed by Jay-Z. Um, De La? But uh, they were signed to Atlantic Records, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they were signed to ABB and then at Atlantic is their, is their parent company. And in my opinion, you don't have to worry about the internet. The internet is not what's keeping you from being successful. The social media not existing mm. is not what's keeping you from like executing on this marketing plan. I feel like that's a fucking excuse. Yeah, I agree. Because like I'm even without social media today, I would know how to market us and we're in the same boat as those individuals. Yeah. And when when you only have to rely on radio and video and those types of things, could you not put them on a press tour? Could you not like put them in front of uh, uh, late night shows like Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. at at the very least? Because Conan was was is was huge at this time. Could you not um, um, do have have them do? Um, not singles from the from the record, but like have them do new singles and collaborate with individuals that Ninth was working with. Mm, yeah, could they not do a collab- collaboration with Jay? Could they not do a collaboration with somebody that's on Rockefeller? Could they not do a collaboration with somebody that's already on Atlantic and it not, and it have that little little brother feel? Could they not have, because by this point, when they started working with Atlantic, they were working on the minstrel show. Given the tech, like now, I know that there probably would have been some like maybe lawsuits and stuff from UPN, but there's a lot of promotion stuff within the jokingness of that, that we would have eaten up as consumers. Yeah, I think, I think living out, I think. I think that they made some excuses for not being able to yeah. promote. Little I just product. think they wanted quick cash versus understanding that it's like you had a unique product. Unique product is majority of the time the best thing to sell because you know that you have something that no one else has and that's how you promote it. They got four mics in the source and that's not that's not by accident. It's based off of what talent they already had to begin with. Right. And so I think you just lean into that as a marketer. And so, I don't know. I I feel like with my marketing hat on. The biggest excuse is the fact that two years after they released the album, you know who came next? Kanye. Lou. Oh. On Atlantic. Got it. But they, <laughs> the, the, that's not a good example because they use the same excuse for him. But either way, but I'm saying like Jay executive produced that album, and also so like so in your in in that man in, in that based I, off I, of I, my example, they yeah. could have leaned into the Jay connection. They could have leaned into the Jay connection. Hence, why well, 2007 was 2008 was cool. So, food and liquor is somewhere in there. But anyway, Atlantic did what they had to do, and then they, I mean. You took the chances. There are many singles on the cool. But Kanye Kanye West popping off at that time mm-hmm. is a is a blueprint 
for yeah, lack yeah, of yeah. a better term. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, let's see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, I don't know. I I don't want to belabor the point. I I just think it's important that 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 was that was something. So I I think the last part we can we can talk about is yeah. the the fall off because I've already talked about like their connection with you know my experience with 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 them. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about how they they fell apart. Or so we finished this tour. I know you're gonna still be on the road. When I get home, I'm going to start working on the next Little Brother record, and I'll send you ideas, and then when you get home, obviously, you can finish, we can finish up records. And I looked at him dead in his face. I was like, nah. When I get home, I want to work on the next Pooh record. And I think at that point, that was the window for him to be like, okay, I ain't doing this no more. Like, I'm, I'm done. Like this LB, like I'm just, I'm done with it all. Like, I'm done. I was like, oh shit, okay. Like, what? Um, little brother was over. First little brother breakup, and every day I wake up, mm-hmm. somebody got a problem with. <laughs> but like so, such a deep line, like deep the line in that part. If you think about like his ninth connection, mm-hmm. like you get what I'm saying, like yeah. that JB talking, but that's another story. That wasn't his actual line, but I. I but <laughs> still, close enough. I remixed it. Uh. But the funniest thing about this when I get when I when I got to this part in the documentary, um, or not funniest part, but the most sombering part, is you think about this moment of like real life communication or miscommunication and breakdowns, right? Uh we went through it, um, and so many other groups go through it where you just don't know what to do. Like and it's all communication, but you don't know how to communicate what you don't know how to communicate. I just don't understand why well, they allude to it a little bit in in this in this part. Like uh, Fonte understood uh, later on, at least understood how to market uh, a, a little brother album and do mm-hmm. it independently. Pooh didn't understand that later on, but. I'm I'm wondering where the breakdown comes in where like, nah, I just want to go do a solo record and I don't want to do a record with you right now. I think it's again the thought process of much like he said. So when you start groups, when we do all these things, like when we started rapping or whatever, we didn't know how to have conversations about what we really wanted out of this music industry. We had conversations about what we thought we expected, dreams we had, wanting to do this, wanting to do that, right? Yeah, but I don't know how you you can't do two records at the same time. I think at that point... Because I, I would have never said to you that, like, uh, nah, don't, don't go do a solo record because 
we gotta re- we gotta record. You would not have said it. Okay, <laughs> prime example. So when we first started, not not us, but when after the second group, when we started doing mixtapes or whatever, right? So we did our first little mixtape that we had around high school, and we got all these comments, or I was getting these little side comments about like, man, you why why was this person on there? Why was that person on there? So then I went like a year after and was like, I want to do a solo record now. Because with slight influence from that, but also wanting to see what I could do on my own, like I just wanted to go and see. Yeah, but I, I just don't I don't understand why in their case, yeah, why he couldn't do that simultaneously. You can still go and see, but you can also do your group stuff. Yeah. And so that's where I feel like the breakdown in the in the in the relationship comes from. Cause I was like, well, Fonte, why are you reacting like this? Yeah. Like, can't you just let him go do his thing and then like um and, and then record some stuff on the side? Or the other way around, like, Pooh, why are you acting like this? Can't you just go record your stuff and then record some little brother stuff on the side too? I also think it was because of what the intentions were with Lil Brother. So he could, like, I can go and do a Pooh record on, not independently, I can go and sign somewhere, which is what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It was the intentions of what are we going to do with this? Like, and he's like, I mean, you talking to me about independent stuff, like, I don't want to do that. Like, right. we still got labels and stuff that are coming to us. That's my expectation. We still got a chance like, to be in this system. Yeah, like, no, nah, I'll go do this. And then, like, in his mind, I'm going to do this, and then we can come back and have another conversation about how we can go to these labels. Right. And it's like, I'm done with that, especially for Fonte, who has seen the other side of that. Like, you know, if it wasn't for you, I would have never thought about independent anything. Mm. Because it just didn't make sense. It seems like the most unsure thing ever. Well, I think with independence, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And the same thing with labels. You don't know what you don't know. But with independence, you don't know even more. At least with labels, you can see that there's a there's an outcome. Yeah. Because you can witness the outcome. You can witness the the TRL, the the 106 and Park uh, interview. You can you can be like, oh, okay. once I get signed, I can go. Sit with sit with Sway and sit with uh, sit with this person, this person, this person. Yeah. Uh, with independence, you like I don't even know how to start that conversation. Right, and the biggest issue is not having a plan before you go there. So if you go to a label, if you don't know, okay, I like they were saying earlier uh, in the doc about like you know there could be a ten album minimum or whatever, mm-hmm. and that ten albums, bro, that might be like 12, 30, 20 years. Like with how they trying to drag it out. But if you don't know that or if you don't know how to like leverage it like they did or leverage to, well, this is the money I want to make. This is how I'm going to invest in myself. This is the leverage I'm going to take to the next thing. Like that four mics meant something, which is a, probably a lot of why they were able to get the deal that they had. So I don't know, man. It it, it was so... I think this uh, is a great dog. Yeah. I, I, I think that... Little Brother is iconic. I think yeah. they're legendary. Um, I'm sad about 
the reaction. I want to know how ninth feels. Yeah, same. So there's still some questions lingering out there after watching this. Like, I feel like they were very cryptic. And then they were cryptic in the interviews that they had afterwards. So, um, I don't know. I, I struggle with why little brother can't be little brother even in 2024. I do too. Um, I, I want to ask you a question though. Yeah. Being a producer, do you think that there's a way to find that happy connection of a producer in a group to where like all three parties or, or the parties involved, because it didn't have to just be three, uh, the parties involved can be satisfied because if you're a producer, right, and you form a group, you want to be the primary producer for the project. Like, yeah, you might get some other beats from other people every now and again, but you want to be the primary producer. Yeah, you're going to be the executive producer. And I don't know, I've because I've been in this situation, I, I, I've always felt like the executive producer leads the charge, even if I go, like, go collaborate with another producer to, to bring a beat in. Mm-hmm. Like, so if I go, if I go work with, with, with Turner yeah. and do Marseille or, or jam, like, even though I didn't add any, any, uh, uh, any extra stuff to Marseille when it, when he sent the files over, it's still me orchestrating the, 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 the mix. I'm still a yeah. composer Ultimately, because I made this creative decision to add this to this record to the to the album. And so I think as a as a producer, where you find your place is by leading the art, Mm. leading the the charge. I think where their their breakdown was, is that Ninth couldn't tour. Ninth wasn't DJing. What else is he going to do after he makes the record? And in my point of view, that doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, you just make the records. You can go you can go hang out or not hang out, but I don't feel like I don't feel like that's required. Um and it sounds like they they thought it was. Yeah, I I, I it makes me sad because I really like that dynamic and I especially like the dynamic of a producer who wanted to do that. You know how many producers I think don't want to do that? is little brother. Agreed. And Fonte and Pooh by themselves is not little brother. That's my that's my opinion. You know what I mean? It still sounds like he's there. Um, you know, even on Made of Lord Watch, I think we talked about this with the the, the ninth sound is still yeah, very apparent. You can't escape Night Sound because it it, it even after um, their first project, it still his sound is still present. Yeah, and he still shows up in the second project, the the minstrel show. He, I think he did a record that Lil Wayne was on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that is one of the longest episodes we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> shout out to y'all on Patreon if you've watched all of this. I mean, if you watch three hours of Cat Williams, you can watch this hour of us. Uh, Seriously, right? Uh, um, but we appreciate you for joining us and letting us nerd out a little bit over a group that uh, means a lot to the industry and a documentary that is was really inspiring to me. Um, 
We thank you guys for being here. Uh, like, comment, subscribe to the video on this rush to a thousand viewers and beyond. A uh, thousand subs, subs, subs yeah. and beyond. Uh, a one? Oh, wait. Dang it, I had the dope new one and I can't remember it. <laughs> you had a... you you. You had a dope new one? Yeah. Like, no, we did it on the last one. It was a dope rhyme. I don't remember. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week. A one and a two. And uh, peace. peace.